You're listening to Vince Tracy and Neil Coble. It's Europe Calling. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Europe Calling. So a very good day, everybody. It's one of those palindrome days, apparently the 22nd of February. You can read it backwards and forwards and all uh, things still seem the same, apparently. Uh, Our weather today, beautiful, nice, sunny weather, bit of wind about, uh, clear definition on the mountains. So off we go across the mountain range down towards Pollop and hopefully uh, Neil will be with me. Good morning to you, Neil. How are you? Morning, Vince. Fine. Not a cloud in the sky, lovely sunshine and just a gentle breeze. Lovely. Okay, well, um, it doesn't look good on the political front. Um, I think we've both sort of known for quite a while that really it was coming, but uh, it's not looking good, is it? And um, if I was in the Ukraine right now, I don't think I'd be very happy. What about you? Well, the... These two things, Donetsk and, and the other one, they're already held by Russian rebels, aren't yeah, they? I, I think, yeah, I think that it's, it's the cunning way he's doing it, isn't it? He's making out that he's acknowledging them now, you know, recognising them, and that yeah. then uh, gives credibility for him to go in. And, um, I mean, realistically, they wanted to uh, take the Ukraine a long time ago, but it's really, it's like going back to when we were kids and, um, you know, the USSR was always the big bad wolf. And I remember always everything in life was about uh, these nasty communists who were trying to come and take over the world, you know. And yeah. um, it's, we're, we're going backwards, aren't we? Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he, he didn't want them all to leave, did he? Right. So now he's trying to work his way back and he don't want them any part of Europe or anything like that because they'll get too near his borders. So he's coming like, you know, the big bully boy again. It's horrible. And, um, I mean, I remember from my childhood, 1956, listening to um, the Hungarians, you know, and uh, the, the, the way that Russia was invading their problems. Um, and then... 68 thing it was when it was Czechoslovakia I mean really we're never it's almost as if we never seem to make the progress of actually learning how to live in peace with people it just goes on and on doesn't it yeah it's it's been a bully state hasn't it you know a bully country all the time you know Russia USSR and all that lot you know they, they, they think they've got the greatest thing in the world you know, with all these, you know, nuclear bombs and all this, that and the other. But if you get rid of them all, then there's only Russians left. What are you going to do then? You know, yeah. where's, his, where's his idea from? I don't get it. Well, I, I, I'm I, until recent years, I'd never really sort of got to know many Russian people. And I have got quite a lot of Russian people that I know well. And it's a shame because... They, I think, just want to live in peace like everybody else. But, I mean, what's wrong with these people, these communists? What, 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 why do they want to always um, dominate everybody and not let people have freedom, you know? Because they're like the, 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 the bully in the school. When we were at school, they were always a big bully, you know, threatening everybody and this, that and other. It's just the same, but it's a great big country. Yeah. With a little man in charge. Keep your eye on that word that you just uh, said school because that's where we're going for our first story and I'm sure you'll see the connection stand by Okay, so the first one then, head teachers at schools in Brighton have sparked anger from parents by cancelling the words mum and dad and replacing them with grown-ups to avoid discriminating against non-traditional families. 
Now, parents at four state primary schools in the seaside town say they and their children have become confused by the edict contained in Equalities Policies, which outlined the language staff should use to ensure that pupils raised in diverse families are not stigmatised. St. Luke's Primary School states on its website, we have an Equalities Language Code for staff. For example, to value all families, we never refer to mums and dads and instead talk about grown-ups. Elm Grove Primary School maintained its equality statement. We try to talk about our grown-ups rather than our mums and dads to acknowledge the different family groupings our family live in. The guidance to cancel the words mum and dad is also upheld in the school vision statement at Carlton Hill Primary School, which states, we try to talk about our grown-ups rather than our mums and dads to acknowledge the different family groupings our pupils live in. Well, Christine, um, uh, sorry, Shine this time in the West Midlands, uh, wrote, there is a big difference between changing firefighters, police officers, bartenders, than there is mum and dad. We will always be mum and dad, even if there's a dad and stepdad, um, uh, mum and mum, single parents or parent who is not in the picture. You can't take away children's rights to call their mum, dad, guardian what they like. It's ludicrous. And Dorothy in Southampton said, what about our beautiful Mother's Day tradition? And the newer, uh, just as important, Father's Day. Are they to be lost? Years and years of tradition gone. I cherish choosing a card for my wonderful mum. She will be 85 this year and I love celebrating Mother's Day with her and my daughter. (sighs) Woke. I thought I'd look up the word. Alert to injustice in society, especially racism. We need to stay angry and stay woke. Um, I mean, this is part of the same thing, you see. I've said for many years now, having sort of read the Communist Party manifesto, they want to defeat the family. That's what they're up to. And the the sad thing is, it's like people are like sheep to the lambs to the slaughter, aren't they? They don't seem to see it coming. No, none of them do. I mean, (laughs) so, just hang on a minute, so... There's no more mums and dads, they're grown-ups. Well, from what year does the grown-up start? Because what do you call your daughter? The small one? Yep. You know, listen, it's about time this education, uh, main man, has started jumping on these herbits. You know what I mean? How can you... You can't call your mum, your mum, or your dad, your dad. Do me a favour. What's the world coming to? Well, it's interesting. It's in Brighton, isn't it? Because obviously oh, yeah. we know that Brighton is is a very big gay community. And, you know, when people are trying to make sure that we all get on with the gay people and we like them and all this sort of stuff, um, this doesn't really sit comfortable with me because at the end of the day, there's a difference between a grown-up and then your mum and your dad. A grown-up is anybody. Your mum and your dad are what created you. Whether or not you want to uh, give me all the different shades of green, this is outrageous. It's it's totally and utterly doing what the communists wrote that they wanted to do to defeat capitalism. Trouble is, you see, most people think I'm off my rocker saying this because they would never bother to read the Communist Party manifesto. I didn't want to go and read it, but I thought it made sense to actually, if you're going to criticise people, you've got to see what you're criticising, haven't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But as I say, I mean, (laughs) these in these schools now, and they say, oh, well, we're not going to put that in. We're not going to put... What's our education minister doing? Letting them all just do what they want willy-nilly. No, there's a curriculum that you go by, and if you've got a mum, it's your mum, and if you've got a dad, it's your dad. Well, the thing... There's no and buts about. We're all grown-ups after a certain age. You know, the, the thing is, you're totally right because, you, you know, you don't know what that certain age is. Is it 18? Are you grown up at 18? Because I would say you're probably not. By all means, you, you, you've finished physically growing. But I think mentally, then that that's another story. I mean, your mum and dad, when you, you're young and you remember back when, you know, you became a parent for the first time. 
we didn't have handbooks. You had to make mistakes and you grew into it. And where could you get anything? Where could you get any guidance from? You had to go to your own mum and dad, didn't you? Yeah, your mum, your dad, your grandmother and your granddad. Simple. That's how you were brought up, you know, to follow on the rules, the regulation, the boundaries, the punishments, all that lot. Nobody gives you a boot when you have a kid and say, right, that's where you do it. But if we let these keep educating the kids of today that there's no mum, no dad, then hang on a minute. You know, who's what they're going to grow into? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a complete nonsense. Do, does it ever cross your mind that what I say is not as balmy as maybe when you first heard me say it? Um, well, I, I know you, and and I know you very well. It's over 14 years we, you yeah. know, we've been together on radio and this, that, and the other. And I know that if you read something, you read it from front page to that page and all the all the wordings all the way through. I haven't written it. I haven't read it, sorry. But what you tell me, I certainly believe everything that you're pointing to. Cause I know you. And I know you're not you're not on here to to just, you know, stir a bit of muck or anything like that. You're telling it exactly as it's written. And if people had bothered to read it, as I say I haven't, then they'd know. They, they pick up on what you're saying. Well, I, I remember, you know, it's nice of you to say that, by the way. Thanks for that. Um, you, you know, when I went back to college, I was 36 and, you know, I was working in, in industry and uh, I was going around seeing people at all sorts of levels. And I remember um, I had to travel from uh, Newquay area where we were living and it was a, a good two hours up to the college in Plymouth, you know. And I remember one particular day, they, they were having a strike and they were trying to stop you going into the library. And I was, this is the sort of area that got me thinking. I had already decided to go back and study after um, the unions had stopped us burying our dead and uh, changing the, uh, the washing in the hospitals. It was things like that that really helped to motivate me to want to go and study a bit more. And so it was the, the fact that the unions had got so strong and then along came Margaret Thatcher and we had this great battle going on in our society. So it wasn't as though, like, you know, I wanted to go and get involved or anything like that. It wasn't so much that. I wanted to understand why it is that, you know, the unions take certain stances and why the Conservative Party, because up till then, I'd just been like everybody else, you know, you, you just live your life, play your sport, enjoy your football and bring your family up. Um, but it just seemed bonkers to me. And then when I read that that's what they actually are trying to do, and now when you look back over the previous, say, 10 or 20 years, that's exactly what they've done. They've confused the family it was totally and utterly, when we were growing up, it was like, um, uh, you know, mum and dad and 2.2 children. You can't say yeah. that now, can you? No, no. Uh, I mean, I, I went through the... Well, I've told you before, I was a union man, a shop steward and, and all this. And then uh, British Leyland, uh, you know, all of a sudden, the unions, if you can't use that type of spanner, you've got to use this. Look where it sent that. Look where it sent British Leyland. They were worst-made cars. They were absolute rubbish, rust, rust boxes. And they were out on strike every other week with uh, Red... Were it Red Ken or somebody? Red, uh, Red Robbo. Red Robbo, yeah. Right. And look where British Leyland went. One of our biggest, you know... They're all right, keep following them, you know, like sheep. But all of a sudden, there's, there's other people that should be standing up and saying, well, just hang on a minute. What happens if the, the government, you know, because you, you're all right while well, you had a Labour government in, they stand, you know, they, that's what they were standing for. And then all of a sudden, another government comes in and says, well, you're not getting away with that. You know, end of. And then it, it came again with the miners after Leyland won, didn't we? We went on to miners' strikes and, and this, that, the other. You know, listen, you can't, you can't, if you go down the middle, you're not too bad. But when you're extreme on one side or extreme on the other, you're heading for trouble. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. OK, well, let's move on. And um, 
yeah, I've got to... I, I think this is a link, actually. You see, this might link to that story. You're listening to Vince Tracy and Neil Coble. It's Europe Calling. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Europe Calling. Okay, so uh, it's kiddie fiddling and all that sort of stuff that both of us get cross about. And a former countdown winner has been jailed for 12 years after he told other paedophiles he would like to abduct and abuse little children. This is Craig Chittenden. He's 33 and he's from County Durham. Also persuaded a woman in America to sexually abuse her daughter as he watched for his pleasure. I mean, this is so sick. He was caught by an undercover police officer after arranging a visit to the south of England to sexually abuse a 10-year-old girl, having planned the trip with a man he believed was her father. This is Durham Crown Court. Uh, This was all in the papers. And um, he he prosecuting Jane War said Chitterton shared... 24 indecent images of children during a conversation with another paedophile in February 2020. She said both parties discussed the kidnapping and murder of a young child. The defendant wrote, if I kidnapped, we can't risk DNA or talking and killing will have to be done. The further, uh, sorry, he further stated that he would like the child to be three or four years old. Good God. Uh, He wrote, we will probably only keep her for a day Maximum, a few rapes, then end it, smothering maybe. I mean, this is in the bloody papers, this. The discussion then switched to how to get rid of the body. Ms. War added that Chittenden dismissed the disturbing discussions as fantasies and escapism when he was arrested and interviewed by detectives. He said he had no sexual interest in children, but admitted being sexually aroused by the images. In a second interview, he said he could not remember the chat about the abuse, torture and murder of a child, but did not dispute it. When police visited at his home, they found almost a thousand indecent images and more than four hours of video footage featuring children as young as two being raped by adults, as well as extreme animal um, pornography with horses, dogs and cats. Chittenden called his planned visit to the south of England to abuse a child fantasy and said he had fallen down a rabbit hole into new areas. I don't know about you, um, I find this really difficult, actually, to even read it. Um, well, that, that's just abhorrent, isn't it? You know what I mean? And not only that, the, the parents who have arranged this, they should get the same 12-year, or t- well, for life, I'd, I'd give them life, and also castrating. So, you know what I mean? Anything, anything to do with paedophilia is absolutely sickening. It's sickening to the stomach. Well, I mean, in his defence, he was quoted as saying that he was struggling with the death of a relative and a friend battling alcoholism. Now, this has been picked up by uh, Mr G in Croydon. And um, and he, he had given the reason I committed this indecent act and then this Mr. G wrote, wrote to say, why are these statements even taken into consideration when they're an obvious attempt to deflect the truth away from the de- dreadful crime they've committed? Um, I mean, th- this is one of the sickest things I think I've ever read, actually. Well, I mean, it's disgusting. It's abhorrent. It's that you can't put into words, you know, what it, what it is. Uh, paedophilia is you know, three and four year old. Girl. I mean, please. Whoa. You should never see light of day. But you, you'll get all these, you know, barristers coming in and saying, well, if you say this, it might be a lesser sentence. And you... No, there is bad. Do they, not, do they not have kids of their own and know that these people might, if they ever do, get a chance, will be doing it to their children? I, st- I struggle with the justice system when, oh. you, when you see people defending these people. I suppose, you know, on balance, it's probably better that we do have a system of that nature. But, I mean, if people can't see there's a link between something like this and what those head teachers are doing, because, you, you know, if you're a head teacher or any teacher and you're trying to help a little kid that's got problems, 
I mean, the first thing you want to really try and do is make sure that his mum and dad are obviously making sure that they're protecting him uh, or her. And obviously, uh, when you then read about this fella, a 33-year-old, talking about um, raping a, 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 you know, a four-year-old child, I, I, I really... I read that well, and I felt really quite upset about it, Neil. It's it's really well, it is. terrible, it, isn't it? It's awful. It, I mean, yeah. That, you see, that doesn't come into our our lives, does it? You know, no. that that never enters my head. No. Anything like that. And I'm thinking, hang on, am I normal? Or, or, are all these paedophiles normal? But you see, Simon again, social services not fit for purpose needs sorting out from the core and back, get it going properly. You've got these judges who haven't got a clue about anything that happens, you know, in, in our areas. They're being, you know, they're behind their ivory towers and God knows what. And they, they're giving people Mickey Mouse sentences. No, no. Give them the full whack. If it says you can give them a full life term, give them a full life term. No problem. No matter. Nobody's going to miss him, you know. Well, uh, I mean, it was really weird because where I picked the story up was the fact that he'd been a winner on C Countdown. And I was thinking to myself, why does that even come into it? Yeah, um, what's Countdown got to do with it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, then I'm thinking, well, look, if the, the teachers in this school in or these schools in Brighton are trying to take away the uh, mum and dad so that there is at least the modicum of a chance that somebody uh, at home with the mum and the dad might just let something slip and immediately you can get onto these type of people. Because, you know, um, I don't know about you, I watch things on t telly and I'm thinking to myself, that should not be on TV. I'm looking at things that even in the soaps should not be on TV, not the way that they're being allowed to be on. And, you know, I'm thinking that, you no, know, is it me that's changing too much? Am I going extreme? And I don't want to be an extremist in any shape or form. But when I see my granddaughter or any of my grandkids and I look at their little innocence and to think that there are predators who are trying to arrange to do mischief to them, I'm afraid it makes my blood boil. It could really bring out the worst in me, you know. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you could ask any. <laughs> full-blooded male, if they were reading what, what's in that paper, they, they just want to put him in a room with us. We'll soon sort him out. You know, that's you know that's the thing. But but you see, what did he get? 12 years? Something like that. Yeah. You know, uh, that's nowhere near enough. Uh, so, uh, and, then, and then you'll have the do-gooders saying, well, well, first, we'll try and, and get him out of this these, these thoughts and this, that and the other. No. No. Just put him in to rot. Then he can't stop. He can't stop. Well, I mean, the thing is, start messing with other kids. As we often uh, talk about this, is he if he's been jailed for twelve years, that's immediately six years. Yeah. And so, if he's thirty-three, he's not even forty when he comes out. So, yeah. and, uh, and that little girl's only six or seven. You know, hang on a minute. And the parents are letting things like that, you know, happen. So what's that going to happen to the parents for letting this happen, to set it up? Do you know what I mean? It, it, it really does make your blood boil. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I'm afraid something you said is exactly right. You know, it just, you can't really get this into your head that this could be as wicked as it is. And yet, I, I read the papers, I read the UK papers from head to toe uh, looking for, I'm looking for material that won't, really be as horrible as this i just can't find things that are nice anymore it, it, it's so difficult to find good stories nice stories um you know things that are not going to shock you and, and make you feel revolted because this is repulsive to think that there's a man 33 why how has he been allowed to get this way where where's it all come from see the thing is i think the, the thing that's becoming more clear daily for me is that there are forces of good and bad i remember talking to emil ford the singer many years ago and he was always telling me about this difference between good people and bad people and when you look at the amount of stuff on tv which is just horrible and then you read stories in the papers 
I think people aren't picking up enough that the, the, the TV has got a huge part to play in this evil, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've not watched the soap since, oh, God knows, 20-odd years ago. It, it, I only watched it when I was a kid because, uh, you know, it was on our telly, you know, and it was a new thing in, in them days, having a telly, you know. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But I, I don't watch soaps at all now. It's all Fantasy Island and all Well, I, I, I do for the, the wrong reasons, really. I'm not trying to enjoy them. I'm looking at where I can see that we're being manipulated because this is what oh, yeah. my sort yeah. of background and training has actually done to me now. You, you're not looking and enjoying a nice, decent soap opera. What you're doing is you're looking to see how they're changing and warping society. I mean, at the moment, Neil, you only have to look at the adverts to realise somebody somewhere has pushed a button and told everybody, all the adverts are too white. You've got to change them and change to black um, people on the adverts. Now, I don't have a big problem with, with the fact that, you know, there weren't enough black people in the adverts. But somebody has made that decision. And that is really part of the way that they do this. They will decide that they need more gay people or less ordinary people like you and I that are, are supposed to be normal. I mean, I don't like being manipulated, if I'm honest. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's happening in football and, and, you know, all the sports as well. You've got to have, you know, you've got to have somebody with a disability, somebody that's black, somebody Asian, you know, male, female. You know, but you, this is but this what, is what they're doing now. You've got to have a mixed bag of all sorts. This is classic. Which is, which is fine. Which is fine. If if they know what they're talking about, but if they're on a specialised subject, say women's football and men's football, it's entirely different. You know, and men's cricket and, and, and women's cricket. It's entirely different. You know, I haven't got a problem that somebody's, you know, commentating as long as they know. You know, it, it, just, came to, it just seemed to switch over overnight yeah. within, what, six months or 12 months max. Well, this so is this this is this is great know. reset. And, you know, just like... Um, I, I read the Communist Party manifesto. This uh, Agenda 2030 is there for everybody to see. And uh, this is just a shading of that manifesto that the Great Agenda is all about. Let's move on because otherwise we won't get the next right. topics done. So here we go. So next we go and reminding our listeners that this is UK news that we discuss and Neil discusses the UK news with me. Terry looks at the Spanish news and three quarters of drivers in the UK say they avoid using the leftmost lane on smart motorways without hard shoulders, which potentially nullifies the claimed biggest advantage they offer over traditional motorways. Two types of smart motorways can operate without a hard shoulder. All lane running motorways don't have one at all, while dynamic hard shoulder reversions turn the emergency lane into a five line lane, sorry, into a live lane uh, when there is a heavy congestion. Their overall aim is to improve traffic flow and reduce journey times, especially on busy routes. However, a survey of 2,000 drivers found that 73% steer clear of the left-hand lane at all times when there is no hard shoulder available, with the most common reason being concerns that another vehicle has broken down ahead. The result of the study highlights that smart motorways are likely failing to cut journey times if motorists are refusing to make use of the entire carriageway. I don't think I've actually driven on these smart motorways in the UK at the moment uh, because basically I think they were just coming in um, uh, just after we've left. But I have been on motorways where they've not been able to have the access to the hard shoulder because of an accident, things like that. Anything yeah. that you've picked up on this one? Well, I have. I've, I've, I've had the one. In, there is one in Manchester. You know, this five lane, the, the fifth lane that used to be the hard shoulder is now a live lane. And it's a, you wouldn't catch me in it at all. Because as you're saying, what's happening is somebody's broken down further up and you're coming along, you're in, in, the, in this left-hand lane 
and all of a sudden it's too late because you can't get out because all these people are there and unless you, you see it's, you think that's that car's moving and all of a sudden it isn't and they say well we've got these they're like a like a hunt where police cars used to uh, sit on them you know watching cars up motorway yeah well yeah there's one every about 15 20 mile or something like that well what good's that you wouldn't catch me in that lane at all only when i'm ready for, for coming off the motorway because no i think it's a complete disaster and there are bigger are about four people being killed you know yep. separate incidents on them and uh, all of a sudden you now they, they, they've they've stopped they've stopped some of them around the manchester area from from carrying on you know till they get you know till they have this discussion about it and you know an inquiry yeah, these inquiries go on forever but nothing changes you know yeah okay and slightly in the same area an arrogant and entitled driver who mowed down and killed an 11 year old schoolgirl has been jailed for wait for this five years this is a 36 year old uh, Andrew Kearns was driving home from work in August 2020 when he hit Ruby Cropper as she was crossing the new road. You might know this place, Radcliffe, Greater oh, Manchester. Yeah. yeah. He he then drove away from the scene and abandoned his car before walking to his home address nearby before calling the police. Uh, it's five years all okay. that it's worth but for this poor it, little eleven-year-old. Yeah, for a kid's life. Yeah, and not stopping which makes it doubly worse. You know, she, she might have, you know, she might have been okay if they'd have got, you know, if he'd have stayed there and phoned ambulances and stuff thingy. Five, this is what I'm saying. Paedophilia is getting 12, which is six. He's getting five, which is two and a half. That kid is dead. No. It's almost the, the, like, it's almost like the judiciary are being guided that young lives don't matter. But, but they do matter if they're an 18 to 30 year old that's, that's behaving ridiculous or driving, you know, bad driving or whatever. You know, no, uh, we've said it before, and I think we'll keep saying it forevermore, that until these judges read what the maximum sentences are, then give them all the maximum sentences and then let them appeal that and see how good it is that way. Because it, there's, one with, um, there's one that's been on again this morning. A young girl, gorgeous-looking girl, uh, I think she was 17 or 18 or something, boyfriend were coercing her and, 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 you know, abusing her and this, and she finished it. And him and his mate were driving along in a van, saw her on the other side of the road. He ran out, the boyfriend, snatched her, kidnapped her, threw her in the van. When they got up to about 60 or 70 mile an hour, he threw her out of the van. Now, she can't. See, she can't hear, oh. she can't feed herself, she can't oh, do anything. Dear. Right? He got seven years. Anyway, it's gone now. Um, they've been having, you know, all in this, all these people signing these things. And it's gone now to the top thing, and it, it needs to be brought back to court and sorted out. Well, so should all the other ones as well. Yeah. All right, Neil, let's move on. Um, it's just so horrible, this sort of stuff. You're listening to Vince Tracy and Neil Coble. It's your calling. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Your calling. I think really, if all these stories that are connected uh, that I find were all in the same place on the same page i think a lot of this might become a little bit bit easier for people to see anti-racism campaigners have criticized new government guidance on political impartiality in the classroom as disturbing while teachers leaders have said it will stop pupils from engaging with challenging issues in the classroom now the government released guidance on thursday aimed at helping teachers avoid promoting contested theories as fact this is england obviously it suggests that teaching of historical figures should focus on factual information about them and that teaching of the british empire uh, should be presented in a balanced manner the education secretary nadim zawi this week unveiled the measures to stop school teachers promoting contested theories 
they were told um, not to give one-sided accounts of national heroes, such as heroes such as uh, Winston Churchill, who has been branded racist by activists in recent years. Last week, a row erupted after Welbeck Primary School in Nottingham encouraged 10- and 11-year-olds to write letters to their local MP criticising Boris Johnson as a hypocrite over Partygate. One scenario within the guidance refers to teaching pupils about racism and cautions that teachers should be aware that campaign groups such as Black Lives Matter cover partisan political views. Nick Knowles, uh, Lowell's chief executive of anti-racism group Hope Not Hate, said the guidance appeared to focus on creating a debate about the culture wars rather than helping pupils learn about racism and prejudice. The fact that the new guidelines being announced for schools in England appear to focus more on stoking up divisions and creating a debate about culture wars than ensuring that pupils get the best possible education on racism and discrimination is deeply disturbing. He added that governments seem to be turning the need to teach pupils about racism into a political football. Okay, it's always difficult, you know, when you're teaching a group of people to try and make sure that you're being totally partial. I mean, when I was with um, my YTS kids, say 16 to 19-year-olds, every now and again, there would be something that I'd need to say, stop and tell everybody, look, this is my opinion. I'm not saying that you've got to believe the same as me, but at least be aware that this is what I'm telling you I feel and then you've got to try and find your own way through whatever the subject is. I mean, this is really bad when you think about it. Um, you only look at the uh, Education Secretary's name, Nadim Zawi, to understand that maybe he's coming from a totally new angle, possibly, you know. Um, but, I mean, it's like, um, OK, I don't disagree with kids writing about... Boris Johnson, uh, you know, not being sort of uh, or being a hypocrite over Partygate. I can understand that, but I don't think you need to be asking 11-year-old kids to write that. I think maybe well, that comes a bit later, doesn't it? Well, you, you see, all these teachers now, right, that are, are teaching, you know, everything seems to be coming up about racism, Black Lives Matter, uh, LGBT, uh, the teaching them uh, that you know can't call your mum your mum and your dad your dad, right? And, and all this. What's happened to arithmetic, spelling, English? You know, what's happened to all these? Are they not learning any of these? Is this all that's been shoved, you know, onto their curriculum? You know, that's what it seems because you, you never hear anybody, you know, talking about, you know, and sporting in schools that you know stops these kids being obese and this, that, and the other. It's always the same argument all the time, and and, and also it, it, and also it just grinds on you. Yeah, and also this is the sort of material that really they should be teaching fifth form or sixth form, but not really. Certainly not eleven-year-old kids. Uh, I, I mean, you, you're give, making them old before give, the time, aren't you? Yeah, give them them fifteen and sixteen-year-olds. Give them the the, the the thing, whether it's Winston Churchill or anybody else or Nelson Mandela or whoever it is, yeah? Give, give them that this is how it's, how it's set out and make your own minds up. They might not agree with the teacher's view of it or my view or your view, but they'll make their own mind up. Do you know what I mean? And then they take it from there. Well, I mean, for me, if you... Um, most kids will have a parent or an adult somewhere in the family group who is a bit on the political side. So yeah. they'll have a bit of an idea where things might be a little different. But having said that, I don't really think people at 16, in a general sense, are re I mean, this we're talking about 9 and 10 years and 11-year-olds here, um, I don't think at that age they're really ready for politics. I think they're ready... No. You know, in, they're ready for learning. Yes, they're exactly. They're ready for learning arithmetic and, and spelling and uh, the English language or whatever. You know, like we we had to we went through, and there were bits of history with us and geography and, and stuff like that. You know, you can't keep shoving all this into into their heads, and they turn out that they don't even know anything. You know, they can't write their own name, read, write, or you know, arithmetic. Well, what's the point in that? 
I think the, the big thing for me, um, and I'm putting my teaching hat on and trying to remember, you know, things I was involved in, is it, like there is an age when I think you're ready to do certain things. And I think when you're 11, yes, I think um, there are certain things for me that are too political to teach 11-year-old kids. They don't know enough about their own families. They don't know enough about their own uh, situations. They don't know enough about why their own parents might feel in a certain way. Um, certainly, if you're coming from a, a privileged background, then you, you, you don't have the same uh, way of looking at, say, when your mum gives you a, a new pair of trainers. Um, you know, you, you've got some... Uh, kids coming from a very very difficult situation and you know the parents trying to explain about how difficult it is for them to be able to afford to keep up with everybody else whereas you know if mum and dad are particularly uh, well off then you can go and do that but I mean that's the reality of life but the reality of the politics I don't think they're ready for us 11. Exactly they should be teaching what, what happens when you leave here at school this is where what you really want to concentrate yourself on is like get a job, have your own independence, you know, but you want to get married, have a house, you know, and kids and, and all that. They, they don't seem, it's like I've always said that in, our, in one of our classes, there were a girl, she was an absolute brilliant artist. There were another one who were, who were a genius on numbers and this, that, and the other, but they only got taught. And one, one in in, um, in joinery and one in, in metalwork that were very good. Well, they should be guiding them just before they leave school into where they're better off in. Yeah. No, it's just one blanket thing. You know, this, that, this, that, this, that, and that's it. You know, instead of guiding some of these from, from you know, uh, bad backgrounds that are very good at some of it. But no, they don't, they don't say to them, you're fantastic at this. I'll, we used to have a fella come in in our last year, uh, the job man, you know. Yeah. So instead of the teacher saying to him, well, he's fantastic at woodwork, he's fantastic at metalwork, you know, he's he's a mathematician and she's an artist. That's where they sh the, them, they should be sent. Not just just a quick, complete blanket, whether it be politics or anything else. Or it, it should be, you know, people picked out another ones and you try and guide them down that same route. Yeah. Okay, here's the next one. Okay, just remembering uh, that all these things are things that I've picked out of the paper which probably aren't getting the attention. Certainly things uh, like this one. Of all the political disenchantments over the past decades, Nick Clegg, uh, uh, his dreary safari from Popular centrist, Rem remember the brief heady days of Clegg mania, to Silicon Valley hotshot is one of the most dispiriting. Is it wrong to feel depressed that news of his promotion at Facebook, parent company Meta, uh, from vice president to president of global affairs? Now he's right up there alongside Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Zandberg. Never mind that some failures just kept falling upwards. Uh, what is worse is that once upon a time, people went into politics to serve their country, not to tee up a lovely, lucrative job at the end of it all. Still, David Cameron, sitting in his shepherd's hut, must be seething with jealousy. There's always that. OK, what he's really uh, saying in this particular article seems to be that... Um, you know, Nick Clegg was a little bit of a, a drip, but he managed to get himself into uh, this coalition with David Cameron. And uh, instead of being sort of um, criticised maybe uh, for not doing much after that, he's then gone and got himself right up there on Facebook as the uh, vice president of global affairs. Now, I didn't know that. Um, were you aware of that? No, no. I just thought it, it fell off the face of the earth. <laughs> yeah. never heard, never. I mean, you didn't hear much about him. When you did, he weren't that, you know, he, he weren't one of them that really made me think and think, you know, some of that could be right, that. But no, no, he was just, he was like a puppy dog compared, you know, and Cameron with my man. It's like the two brothers, the two Labour brothers. Yeah, that's right, uh, yeah. One of them stabbed his other brother in back. You know what I mean? And they, the, the one that got stabbed in back got one of the best jobs they were.
you know, they make me laugh. They just hand them out willy-nilly. And it's like when you um, when you look at what was written there that um, you, you didn't really... Maybe we weren't just aware of it, Neil. I don't know. You, you didn't really think of the politicians just teeing up their next better-paid job. Um, I always thought the MPs, they get enough money. I mean... When you look at the the scandals with the all the extra perks and everything that was going on, nobody seemed to get ever. Uh, they didn't get a penalty for that. I didn't think nope. you saw much of anybody sort of being um, reprimanded or anything. It was exactly. uh, 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 what was it? A duff coot yeah. in, in, in his pond and this, yeah. that, and the other, and, and all the other ones, all that were fiddling their expenses. They're all still back doing it. There were, no, there were nothing like, well, you should be banned from politics permanently. That's your lot. I mean, they're on, a, I think it's somewhere like 78,000 a year, but then they put their expenses in at 120,000. How does that work? Well, look, <laughs> I, I must admit, I, I once had a job where the, the actual money wasn't really very good, but there was the chance to make a, de- a decent amount in the year expenses. So I, I understand the principle, but. I mean, we're talking, I think um, it's, it's a, over 70-odd thousand um, pounds per annum now for, for somebody to do that job. And then they've got all the perks and the other things on top of it. So it's just basically, you think to yourself, when are these people ever going to be satisfied? You know, exactly. you, re- you read these stories and I, I don't ever feel jealous because I, I, I just, my... my um, I don't know. I, I just really don't work that way. But at the well, same... It, ang- it angers you when they give the nurses a, a 1% rise and then they all voted for themselves for an 11% rise. How does that work? Well, absolutely. Um, wh- wh- when you actually see that uh, the Prime Minister doesn't actually get a, a huge salary, I mean, when you think about it, um, yeah. y- you know, it just ag- absolutely... It defies any sort of logic that these people... I mean, if you look at the the Partygate thing, you know, um, it's almost like they feel that they can do just about anything, don't they? Exactly. Tony Blair left Brown in the mire, and he went on... That's the greatest thing I've ever ever heard in my life, to the, 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 the peace envoy in the Middle East. And he were earning something like... 300,000 for, for an hour speaking on the peace stuff in Middle East. They were all kicking off in Middle East, and it still is. <laughs> and he would top man. I mean, that tells you something. He, he must not have had a clue about what was going on in Middle East, and he'd been Prime Minister for God knows how long. But the minute he he left us all in Maya, and me inclusive, right, and they sold our pension pot off, right, they go on to they, – they they're not bothered about your pension – They've got their own pensions that's worth hundreds of thousands a year. You know, they're all the same. They've all, they're all, they've all got their noses in the trough. Mm. And that's all they're doing it for. They don't care about somebody on a council estate or me or you, you know. Well, I, I grew up and we were taught to respect our elders. Um, you, you know, you, you looked at uh, the police and teachers and politicians and you automatically were led to believe that you'd aspire to do something like them in your life if you did really well. And really, these people are, they're not worthy of much of our respect. I mean, I'd much rather say thank you to somebody that sweeps the roads and, and uh, keeps us yeah, safe than, exactly. than these type the of people. The woman that helps all the kids across the road at school. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then people that go out in all kinds of weather and this, that miners, that were worst job in the world. Yeah. But thing is, and by the way, I've just come up with a, a thing. You know what? You can't call your, your mum your mum and your dad your dad. Yeah. You've got to be called um, grown ups. Yeah. The grandmas then they must all be called elderly people. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh. Uh, the next one. Yeah. Okay, I'll go to another one. Here we go. So much fanfare was given to the common man as two weeks of acrimony, secrecy and bitterness 
which were sugar-coated with moments of breathtaking athletic prowess, ended. China's President Jinping and his reverential followers banded together inside the iconic Bird's Nest Stadium to parade 365 ordinary people to mark the closing of the Games. This... They said it was not about stars, professional singers, dancers or actors, but about your average Joe getting his moment. Uh, They were a small number from China's 1.4 billion population who were ferried into the ground, showcased to the watching world as prime examples of the harmony among the Chinese people. But as he sat back on his velvet cushion and watched the fireworks spectacle, Xi and China believed they'd got away with it as viewers around the world also saw a doping scandal, barren venues, grim-looking food and human rights concerns. And for me, I didn't really watch much of the uh, the Winter Olympics. I felt it was bloody insulting to us to feel that China was putting on this great show after they've got the rest of the world all locked down and... Um, you know, not able to get on with our lives and economies all over the show suffering because of what they did. Um, I, I don't know about you. I'm not impressed. How did you feel? Well, I, as I said, I didn't watch it. I used, I, I, what I did really like was the curling. I like that bit. <laughs> but I mean, you know, but I mean, the, you know what it's all about. It, China's been the same for God knows how long, forever and a day, you know. But the, the other one that we keep sending all our our skiers and, and, and tobogganists and this, that and the other, and we, we, we pay for it through the lottery and all that. And you know you're going to be lucky to get one or two medals. You know what I mean? What, what, why are we paying to, to try and get them up to fitness to go to something that they can't do in, in our country, in, in UK anyway? Well, it's this globalisation you know? nonsense, isn't it? You, you know, the winter... Yeah, the Winter Olympics has never been really anything that we would do that that well at. I mean, Eddie the Eagle was probably the best-known <laughs> names from the Winter League. Uh, it was ridiculous, wasn't it? Yeah, and that worked for winning gold, would it? You no. Know I mean, I mean did <laughs> you... You'd become an hero for being the worst ski uh, jumper in the world. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's, it's laughable, but that's how, it, that, that's how it goes. You think to yourself, hang on a minute, you get... Your athletes, you know, Olympic summer Olympics, that are running all the time and training all the time, and this, that, and the other. And where, where do I go? You know, that that place at Pendleu, where he he, he, not, he didn't win anything at Olympics, but he he was the first one to win one of them slaloms. No, because all the the big top guns were training for Olympics, but he did very well because he were on that Pendleu. There's a, there's a, a dry ski slope there, you know, and that's where he trained. But what they don't tell you is, for the last 10 or 12 years, he's been in France and, and Alps and yes. God knows where, you know, where they have all the proper, you know, snow and stuff. I think the important thing to, to pick up from what I just read is the fact that, you know, um, the, the, these small number of uh, 365 ordinary people come in to close the games, you know, and they're so proud yeah. of the fact you know, the whole point is that the games are there so that we can see these stars. So if 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 China and its president seems to think that what we really need to see is 365 ordinary people just coming in to close the games, I don't think he's understood really what the games are about. More importantly... I did read, and uh, it was a, an American analyst a couple of weeks back, uh, about a month ago, he was saying that he felt that the Russians would not invade Ukraine until the end of the game, uh, the games. And the reason he said that was because he felt they didn't want to upset the Chinese because they'd put all the money up and were organisers of the games. And then they would want really the two communisms to be together to combat the um, the rest of us when obviously the Ukraine thing was going to kick off and they, the analyst was yeah. saying that he, he w- it would have to kick off straight away after the games because of the fact that the winter comes that quickly and they wouldn't be able to do it otherwise so uh, yeah, I think he's got that one right uh, Yeah, I think he's dead right with that Yeah, He said, hey, don't you upset our apple cat, we've got these Olympics right? You just line them up, and then the minute we finish and we fetch these 360 
five people, you know, into things. Once that all over and done with, then let's get on with what you know what we were talking about. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, um, I mean, we're we're stumbling our way into becoming communists if 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 that's the way the world doesn't wake up. Because well, they're being blindly led, aren't they? Uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, by, by all means, you, you can still have the games, but it'll be all exactly as he's just outlined. The stars will be 365 people from... Uh, they've all got to be equal. I mean, that's the whole point. This is where I see the link between that and the stories that we've read about what's going on in the schools in Britain. Don't be surprised by this, because for years on end, we've had lots of Chinese people get in their way into key positions. So somewhere in the mix, if they're not Chinese, they'll be communists who agree with what the Chinese and other communists are thinking about. Well, that's, what they, that's what they try and do all the time, don't they? Send them in undercover and God knows what. Our last story today is Amir Khan has shown off his battle scars after he was destroyed by rival Kelbrook in their much-anticipated grudge match on Saturday. The long-term rivals settled their bitter feud in a match that lived up to the hype at Manchester Arena. Khan was visibly hurt on multiple occasions from the first bell, with the referee waving off the bout in the sixth round when the former world champion started taking punishment without reply. Uh, personally, I was glad the referee stopped that because, quite frankly, he was taking a beating. He looked as if he'd got himself a little bit overweight and out of condition and wasn't the same Amir Khan that we knew as a, a precocious uh, young bite, a fighter who obviously, um, you know, at that time that he was precocious, was fit enough and agile enough to get away with it. I mean, this guy that caught up with him, um, obviously he wanted to show that uh, he was in far better shape than Khan, who's probably let himself go a little bit over the years with getting involved with other things. How did I you mean, see that one? I mean, when I, when I saw uh, when I saw them both at the way, I thought, wow, how does that work? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he'd not been, he'd not been in the ring for just short of three years, and he'd been out over 18 months, uh, Kelbrook. And I thought to myself, hang on a minute. How would you get like that in 12 weeks? Well, I know that they, they don't take any uh, fluid, do they? No. Coming up to the uh, coming up to the weigh-in. And then the minute they've had the weigh-in, they go and hammer themselves on stakes and, and stuff like that, you know, to to beef themselves up again. But, I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't think Khan were a good one. He, he, he has a glass chin. He's from Bolton, just round corner from me. Yeah, uh, yeah. Khan. And that Kell Brooks has always been a battler, hasn't he? You know, he's he's always been, you know, world champion and God knows what. He, he he's a real he's a real tough guy, you know. Yeah, well, I must admit, uh, you know, I I tuned into the fight and it did look to me as if um, he it was one way traffic, wasn't it? it? Yeah, and I mean, you, much as you um, might take uh, one side or the other, you don't like to see somebody who has been a good champion. Um, as you say, he, he's a bit fragile on the chin, but I mean, he was a good f boxer rather than well, fighting. You know, he, he, he had hands like lightning. Can yeah, but you see, it's like it's like me and you. We used to sprint hundred yards in, you know, you say about twenty five seconds or whatever. You know what I mean? Whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, it would take us twenty five minutes. Yes. You know what I mean, it's called the thing of getting old. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and and of course uh, he's been involved in other things, and you know you see things about him in the paper, which obviously yeah. takes him away from the core of what he should be best employed with. Okay, yeah, well yeah. to finish, yeah. to finish. You can go back taxi driving now. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, okay, well look, who knows what we'll be talking about this time next week because um, it doesn't we, look. We won't, we won't Vince. I'm, I've got to fly back to England. My brother's wife's passed away. Oh, right. And, and the funeral is, is it Tuesday? It's next Tuesday. So I won't be I won't be here next Tuesday. But as soon as I get back, I think the following Saturday, Okay. I will give you a bell. Lo right. Lovely. Okay, well, look, um, commiserations. Obviously, it's a sad time. Take yeah. care when you're flying and everything. And um, obviously, look forward to um, chatting again with you next week. Oh, sorry, the week after next, I beg your pardon. Right, okay, yeah, but, it's almost yeah. like I hadn't even heard a word you'd said there. Sorry about that. Okay, right. look forward okay. to the next one. See you later. Thanks, Neil. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye.